Episode of Wrestling Recommendations, episode 41. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with the boner having Travis Laster for all the uh, San Diego Comic Con reveals. Pretty, yeah, pretty, stiff, right. pretty stiff over here. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but right there we go, oh, right man. under the table. Yeah, the, they released the Monday Night War figures. Uh, you're going to get a build a figure Lex Luger with the fl- like fluffy white shirt, uh, but we saw Undertaker. Uh, Hall Nash, like when they made their debut, Hall's wearing like the denim vest and the blue jeans. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and you got you got Nash with the hat, and when he says adjective instead of noun, look <laughs> at the got, adjective. You've got you got Hogan from the night after Bash at the Beach, which I've joked and said could be a '95 uh, Dungeon of Doom Hogan, uh, and I stand yeah. by that. So no mustache, no mustache. He, he shaved he, it. Gonna have to. Cut that off with a razor, people. That's a deep cut. <laughs> Come back and listen to Wrestling Ruined to hear our love of uh, Dungeon, of the D- Dungeon of Doom, guys. <laughs> Speaking of Wrestling Ruined, uh, one of uh, the podcast favorites for our buddy Brandon, uh, we, I just saw it right as we hopped on record, Jimmy Golden, Bunkhouse Buck died, man. Bucks North Tennessee. Yeah, and I, I gave, I used to give Bunkhouse Buck a bunch of shit, but like, he was, dude was entertaining, like, Maybe wasn't the best wrestler in the world when he came back to WCW in the early '90s, but uh, he was entertaining with his facials and everything else he did with the stud stable. They put him. They put him with with hacksaw Jim Duggan, and that was a death knell. That's not his fault. So, uh, fuck you, Jeff, over at the Wrestling Purist. Hacksaw Jim Duggan was one of the least. Uh, he was like my least favorite wrestler of the '95 arc that we were doing at Wrestling Ruined. Yeah, he always put on a stinker. Only thing he had going for him was the "ho" oh, and "I love America." That's about it. That's all he had. He would going tape for his him. fists and tape fist matches, bud. I mean, you can quote me on this, but Jim Duggan sucked anytime after like 1988. Yeah, I can agree. Great guy, though. Great guy. Performer, not so much. But Travis, this week's episode is a special episode. Uh, featuring Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa from the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament. Hell yeah, brother. I love the Cruiserweight Classic. And I know we both sent this to each other, but they beat the shit out of each other in this Ooh. match. And I know we'll talk about it more later, but Jesus Christ, I forgot what they kind of put themselves through in this matchup. It, it's it's pretty damn it lends to later on, but like it's pretty amazing what they put themselves through. To hear Morrow and Daniel Bryan like call it like these guys were killing each other was also pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, before we kind of even dive into it with the Cruiserweight Classic, because past episode we did DIY versus uh, the Revival in their two out of three falls match from Takeover Toronto. I think it's still probably the highest rated cage match net match that we've watched rate what ratings wise say like mm-hmm. 9.5 or 9.6 or something like that out of 10 
Um, so we talked already a lot about Johnny Gargano and Ciampa building up to that. So I don't really want to dive in with those guys because we do have other matches with those guys. But I want to dive into directly yeah. into the Cruiserweight Classic. Travis, do you remember like when we first heard about the Classic? Uh, I can't remember the exact time thing, but I just remember being super excited for it, especially when they started talking about bringing in guys from outside of WWE to do it. And we were like, oh, man, what are, what are they going to do with that? Like, how's that going to work? And then we started seeing the names like Zack Sabre Jr., Kota Bushi, Cedric Alexander, who was a pretty big deal in Ring of Honor at the time. Like, he had been an ROH TV champion. Um, then you had Ciampa and Gargano, who were just getting started in NXT. They put them in there. Um, I mean, they just they were bringing in people from all over the world, and it made it feel like an international event. And then the fact that they had some crossover people from – New Japan and Rev Pro and and even people in like Canada. I think it was big time wrestling was what Tyson Dukes wrestled for. I can't remember for sure, but like they were bringing in guys from the Indies that fit that cruiserweight model from all over the world and giving them a chance to showcase. I mean, like Jack Gallagher, uh, people like that. Man, were just busting on the scene here. Noam Dar, uh, the list goes on and on. TJP, fuck suicide or whatever Ooh, his name was, but. Mimic. Manic, manic, and suicide, and all that dumb shit. But, but yeah, man, they they literally pulled in some of the best indie talent they could find to do this show. Grand Metalik, um, just just really good, good wrestler, and that's what I was most excited for was good wrestling. Oh yeah, it was nice to see something different, and the way that they they had the setup for it all with the purple and like the silverish gray. The, uh, the the canvas, uh, the canvas even had was different. It was it was nice change. That damn the ninja was it two ninja guys almost fighting in the graphics like it was kind that was kind of weird because I'm like what the fuck does ninjas have to do with wrestling? But it was it was it was cool because they like actually put money and time behind it, which is what they would do with the May Young Classic later on. But it was it was cool to see them actually investing some time and money into something with guys that weren't under WWE contracts and giving these guys a, a, a spot to showcase and shine. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of these guys will go on to be kind of mainstays for the, for WWE uh, for the years to come. And a lot of them, you know, are in AEW now. So there's a lot of people from this tournament that have kind of uh, stuck around after the tournament happened, but let's talk about it. So, in 2016, WWE announced that they would be holding a 32-man tournament and it would be exclusive to the WWE Network. All participants would be cruiserweights and would legit be weighed in to see if they were below the 205-pound weight limit. It was legit. There, there was guys that we'll talk about here in a little bit. I think Cedric Alexander was one of the guys that had to cut like massive amounts of weight. I think he cut like 20 pounds or something like that, 15, 20 pounds. Yeah, because he was um, like a brick shit house in roh like he was yeah he's lean now yeah uh uh fabian eichner who we'll talk about goes on to be um uh, giovanni uh vinci part of the uh, imperium uh he also had to cut a, a lot of weight to get down under the 205 uh weight limit so that's uh, pretty cool uh, that they were you know it's a legit shoot they they were legit weighing these guys so that's pretty cool uh, the event was originally going to be called the Global Cruiserweight Series before being renamed the Cruiserweight Classic. Tournament qualifying matches took place in various promotions of the, of the independent circuit, including well-known promotions such as Rev Pro, Progress, and Evolve. 
NXT competitors at the time, Rich Swan, Tommaso Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano, along with international standouts, Zack Sabre Jr., Noem Dar, Kota Ibushi, and Akira Tozawa, were announced for the Cruiserweight Classic. We would also see the return of former WWE roster members, Brian Kendrick and Tajiri. Kind of weird seeing Tajiri here. Agreed. Like, Tajiri, like, kind of didn't even realize he was still wrestling because he wasn't wrestling for, like, New Japan. He was wrestling a lot with, like, Wrestle 1, I believe it was. I think that's even on his tights, if I want to – if I'm thinking correctly. Maybe that's the ECW show I watch. But, yeah, man, I was excited to see Tajiri back because the guy could still work. And, like, the style he was doing when he left WWE was more, like, ground and pound – technical than it was like high flying or anything so it gave a nice little um a diff they had different styles in this tournament which was cool too and and daniel bryan and morrow talk about it a lot like the different styles and the matches and and put those over so it was a good mixture of talent from all over the place oh yeah yeah i really enjoyed it um and it, it, it there's a couple of guys on this that are kind of like really um but then you know and thinking back to it it's just one and done. Like you don't hear anything. I never hear about anything from some of these guys. Uh, at progress. Oh, 20... oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, he, he had a couple of stints on NXT <laughs> after this, I believe. I think he was in the dusty cup. Was I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Like Bing, I think his name was Bing, and like, he never did anything that amounted to too much. I, when I get to the guy, thing. I'm thinking. When I get to the guy, I'm thinking about. I'll let you know because uh, there's a first round match that Akira Tozawa has, and I feel like the guy that was in the match had no reason being in the match. I don't know why they they picked him. Uh, when there's you know, I don't I don't know. But uh, at Progress 24, Zack Saber Jr. defeated Flash Morgan Webster, and Jack Gallagher defeated Pete Dunne to qualify for the tournament. So Pete Dunn and Flash Morgan Webster both missed the tournament because they lost qualifying matches, which is Pete, wild. Pete Dunn in this tournament would have been fucking cool to see. It may have been the best thing for him not to, though. That, because that he, he pretty much put the NXT UK brand on top. Uh, him, Tyler Bate, uh, and to Walter, and now Gunther. I, I would say that. Uh, at Evolve 61, TJP defeated Fred Yehi. And Drew Gulak defeated Hot is it Hot Sauce Tracy Williams to yeah, qualify it, for the tournament. He was part of Catch Point with him, so or I don't know if they were still in Catch Point at the time, but and it was also cool to see these guys having to wrestle on independence to qualify for the tournament. So it was like giving a rub to all these different places at the same time as well. Fun fact: I have a copy. I can't. Can't remember what group that is that we're in, but I have the Cruiserweight Classic on Blu-ray, uh, mm-hmm. and they put out all the qualifying matches that actually happened. They're on that disc, so it's pretty cool. It's like three, three or four discs long. It's, uh, long. It's the Undercover Alliance. I'm pretty sure is what it's called. And a guy named Jerry Jackson puts out some quality projects and products. He does like uh, Most Wanted Treasures, the biographies with a bunch of extras and stuff on it. So shout out to that guy. Like I, I've bought. A lot of sets. I bought the entire Coliseum video collection set off from him. And it's like every release, like UK releases, Canadian releases, stuff that we couldn't get our hands on in America, tag classics, stuff like that. So shout out to those guys. They do good work. He has all that Silver Vision shit. 
So let's talk about the competitors really quick of the tra- of the tournament, Travis. Uh, they're in ABC order here, so I'll just kind of run through them. Uh, Akira Tozawa, Alejandro Saiz, Anthony Bennett, Aria Davari, the Brian Kendrick, Cedric Alexander, uh, Clement P- uh, Petit, Demac, Damian Slater, Drew Gulak, Fabian Eichner, like we talked about, would be Giovanni Vinci, Grand Metalik, Gerv and Harv Shira, which is the Bollywood boys. Ho Ho Loon, Traps' favorite. Ho Ho. Jack, Jack Gallagher, Jason Lee, Johnny Gargano, Kenneth Johnson. That's the one that sticks out to me. He was terrible. I don't understand why they put him in. Uh, I don't know what happened there. I think uh, that was like a guy Regal kind of had a soft spot for because he'd been to so many tryouts. And they gave him a shot, and he just overmatched for this tournament. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the sore thumb to me out of this whole thing. Uh, Kota Ibushi. Uh, Lince Dorado. Um, originally, it was supposed to be uh, a Brazilian wrestler named Zumbi. I'm not familiar with him, um, but Mustafa Ali was his replacement, and I did not know that. I remember that because, like, they had a last minute like replacement guy. I think he swung at us. He didn't make weight or something. Was the reason he wasn't in it, and Mustafa yeah. Ali got a spot. They said it was visa issues was the legit reason he just couldn't get a visa issue worked out because he's from Brazil. Um, no Dar, I still uh, say that he smells fantastic. We'll get to that <laughs> story. Uh, Raul Mendoza, who is, I can't think of what his, his character name is now. He's part of uh, the LWO. Oh, Toro De, De La Cruz, Toro De La Cruz, something like that. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, Rich Swan, a uh, good buddy of mine. Uh, Sean Maluda, but you don't see, I felt like they he had some good upside, but you just didn't really see anything from him. TJ Perkins, Tajiri, Tommaso Ciampa, Tony Nese, who's kicking it over there in AEW, slash Ring of Honor, or slash Rampage, slash <laughs> Collision. Uh, Tyson Dukes, which I knew from Impact. That's the only reason I knew him. And True. then the last the last competitor was Zack Sabre Jr. God, so, that, was, that was a big get. Him and Kota Ibushi were huge gets for the tournament at the time. Oh, it was a big deal because Zach was killing it on the indies. Uh, I believe the so this is 2016, 2017. We get Saber. We get Saber like almost a year, about a, a year later. Yeah, and he was like he was in Rev Pro. He was like their champion. He was doing progress. Um, he was doing some evolve shows. So like he was the, one of the top indie names at the time. Like huge, huge get for the tournament. Yeah, I, I I really was hoping that they would sign, but then again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, that may have been fucking terrible, especially with Vince McMahon kind of running things. It's hard to tell them what would have happened. But so I started looking more into this, and they had alternates. And I was telling you about these. These are there was five of them. Two of them, you know, were people I didn't really know. But the three that I did know, Aaron Solo, who was Bailey's boyfriend at the time i believe they were dating when she was in nxt right when she got into the main mm-hmm. roster um he's been popping up on AEW. he did some stuff there uh jesse Sorensen, who is most famously known for djz breaking his fucking neck and then tna like skipping out on paying his bills like a, the cucks they were fuck you dixie carter yep fuck her and uh even though, Jesus, even though fandango's hanging out with her on the reg yeah, and I was waiting for it. 
Uh, I, I need to I need to actually post that clip because we I don't think we ever posted it. Um, the last one was Jesus Yurnet, who is Mega Wolf, which you may know from NWA um, La Rebellion. He's been teaming with uh, Damian Six Six Six. Pretty cool looking tag team, and they they wore gear dressed uh, inspired by Ghost. Yeah, they're a great tag team too. Like if anybody need <laughs> should check those out. Like they're one of the NWA highlights still. Even though NWA has kind of gone down the shitter, man, it fell off. But yeah, let's talk about that really quick. We got, we got, we got a minute. Uh, as soon as Nick Aldis left, that place was fucking. It, it's they've lost well, my interest. Well, and the other thing that lost me was when Matt Cardona got healthy. They did not go back, pivot back to him, and put the belt on him, and and give him the hill run that he had. Like, and I don't even think he's in the NWA anymore. Like he. Did a did a couple matches. He did that match where he wrestled Tyrus, and I don't think he's been back to the NWA since then. But I mean, they lost they lost Eli Drake, which is now LA Knight. They lost yeah. uh, they lost Matt Cardona. Uh, they lost Aldis. Uh, then uh, freaking um, what is Sandow's name? I can't even remember. They lost Sandow for a little bit. He did that weird angle where he wasn't wrestling anymore. Aaron. Had... Aaron. I can't remember what I it is. I can't think of his name. But then their tag division got beat up. They had a chance to have the Briscoes. They didn't keep them around. Like, I don't know, man. And then they put the belt on Tyrus. And fuck Tyrus. He has a dick on his back. Best part about him was the uh, the Jeeves guy that was with him. We kept calling Gary Coleman at that show. That was it. Camille's the best thing they got going now. Sorry, but yeah. it's true. It's the best thing they got going. She's awesome too. I, I got I actually interacted with her. We went to was I think it was last year. We went to a Smokies game uh, out uh, in here in Tennessee and near Sevierville. It's actually out towards Kodak, and they were doing NWA night because they were doing the pay per view, which was always ready that we end up going to because. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I got free tickets because of a good buddy, the Slow Mo Dan, who does a lot of their video stuff. Uh, but Camille was there, and so was Tom Latimer. And she was so nice, and she really wants to work in GW. So I'd really would love to have her work for NGW. She's grown into a, be a really, really good wrestler. I like her. Yeah, and Mark Jindrak was there with no tan. That was the most random thing. <laughs> and then we bumped into him again. I was like, fuck, I keep running into Mark Jindrak everywhere I go. He was at the concession stand at Always Ready, walking through the yep. middle of the arena. It was wild. Uh, anyways, though, Travis, this, sh- this show that we're watching on, this was the final tape, the final show of the last four first-round matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one aired on August 3rd. Uh, we saw Rich Swan defeat Jason Lee. Noam Dar defeated Gerv Shira, who's part of the, the Bollywood Boys. Jack Gallagher defeated Fabian Eichner. I have in my notes, I actually, because I went back and watched this whole episode, that was a really good match. Definitely, if you guys get a chance, go back and check that match out between Jack Gallagher and Fabian Eichner. It was really good. I liked it. And then, of course, we get Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa here. Uh, This was kind of cool because uh, if people went to the tapings, they wouldn't kind of give them an idea of what the, the brackets were. They would just throw the match out there. So people wouldn't know. So it was kind of cool the way they did this because it wouldn't show them the bracket, so they couldn't spoil what the second-round matches were going to end up being. All you knew was, like, this person beat this person. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the actual match. But 
Um, all the matches have happened. They did all these tapings and like just within a couple of days. It's a lot of matches for like I think they, they did all the first round matches. Um, they recorded those and then they did the second round matches. I think and like right after that, like a couple days later, it, it, they spaced them out weird. It was like a week or some shit. I can't remember. But uh, the last match was Champa and Gargano, and uh, they go out there and they tell a great story. We're gonna get to that. Um, before the match, both men were backstage and would be asked about the match. I have that clip right here. Johnny Tommaso, how will being tag team partners affect your match tonight? Doesn't matter that he's my tag team partner. It doesn't matter that he's like a brother to me. Tonight, when I look across that ring, I'll see just another guy. It's winner go home. And Johnny Wrestling ain't ready to go home. Johnny Wrestling. Johnny Wrestling. That's all I ever hear is Johnny Wrestling. Tonight, tonight's not about Johnny Wrestling. You called me just another guy. After tonight to you, boy, not only am I going to be the guy that put you out of the Cruiserweight Classic, I'm going to be the guy that hurt you. You do what you got to do. All right, Travis. Before we get going to the match and start actually watching this bad boy, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world, with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Brian, one half of the Wrestling Purists podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot, a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And Travis, we are back. Um... We are going to watch this episode. Travis was nice enough to download the entire episode of uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, this this whole thing here. But if you do want to watch along with us, you can watch along on the WWE Network. You'll just go to episode four of uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, we're going to pick up right as Johnny Gargano is about to walk out uh, on make his entrance here. 
Um, Travis, buddy, are you ready? I'm ready, sir. Let's roll. All right, guys. We're going to say three, two, one, and play, and we'll get rolling. Three, two, one, play. There we go. From America, represented the United States. I did like how they did that, too. Yeah, it's wild to think about because Brian uh, Brian Danielson. I see now. I'm, I'm going to call him Brian Danielson. I should call him Data Brian right here. With Brian and uh, Morrow on comment commentary, they were great through this whole tournament. And Corey Graves. This is kind of like before he kind of gets rolling into doing you know the commentary stuff. He's doing the um, bracketology well, kind of thing. Yeah, he's still he's still doing commentary a little bit here and there. So if he's doing the bracketology. Um, the crazy thing is like we talked about earlier is, you know, the people there are kind of, you, it takes them a while to kind of get into this match because they've been sitting through tapings, like a bunch of matches back to back to back. And you're getting this match. Now that's the final match of the first round. Johnny Gargano comes out to some DIY music and then Chamba comes out to a, a, a version of it. Like I've never heard him come out to, but it sounds like a cheap knockoff of psycho killer. I don't know if you've heard it. Yeah, yeah, because they they keep they refer to him actually as psycho killer, but then Morrow starts calling him the Sicilian psychopath instead. Yeah, but he Corey, does this weird march to the ring. Yeah. Corey <laughs> uh, Graves calls him the uh, psycho uh, psycho killer um, when they're doing the bracketology. They're talking about. I was like, oh, well, I'm surprised they fucking said that. Oh, dude, and that the clip we listened to where they talk to each other in the back, man, it's like. Johnny Gargano tells him like that, you know, gives his spiel. And then he's like, pretty much, I'm going to take you out essentially. Like it's kind of cold blooded sounded like it gives you that psycho killer kind of vibe that he had going on the Indies. I mean, that's the first time I saw him was at an evolve show and he came out to psycho killer. Like that was his music and that's what he was called. So it's, um, it was weird to see like he had that cold blooded eye stare and then Johnny kind of was, Playing it up like you know we're friends, but we're gonna wrestle. And he's like, "I'll go through you if I got to get this." He's like, to get "I'll this fucking done. hurt you." He basically yeah. says, "I will hurt you." He's like, "Friends or not, I'm, I want to win this match." And like the stare down, the camera right here, the cool little pan. Oh yeah, that's cool as fuck. It reminds me of when they used to do uh, when NXT first started. So like the main event with uh, Brian and uh, Jericho, how they had the cool swings. That's what it reminded me of. And this is also when Tap Out was a sponsor too, because they're in two of the corners. Oh yeah, I liked it just because it had a, the entrance had a unique feel to it. Uh, everything had a unique feel to it. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I have that you know this match feels like it's it's huge at the time. Like we're getting these guys because right now they've just been you know teaming and they're starting to kind of get on a run. And I'm like, oh man, they're gonna are they gonna try to break this team up? And I'm like, I really hope they don't. Because they they actually talk about it in their thing, like how they came into NXT together and they were in the Dusty Classic together and they were just kind of getting on a roll as a tag team and here they were having to wrestle each other in this match. So that played into it. And it was weird to me hearing Daniel Bryan and Morrow get to talk about their indie runs. Like they were talking about Johnny Gargano was eight champion for 800 days on the independent scene combined and then... Dan O'Brien talks about how he wrestled him in Cleveland years ago. And Ooh. it was just, yeah, that was, that was fucking great. The elbow and the spit all at one time. But like, it was wild hearing him talk about that. Just where they had been 
and what they had done. Oh, Jesus. Johnny Gargano takes a hell of a pounding in this match. They are very stiff with each other. There is no space. Very, very snug. Uh, When did you first see this match? Watched it live, man. I did not miss an episode of the Cruiserweight Classic. Like, that was destination viewing. I was excited for it. And I watched everyone as soon as they came out. Whether it was... Yeah, because... I mean, didn't it come on? They, it came on after NXT, right? Yeah, it came on, it came on right yeah. after NXT. So you had NXT and it went right into the Cruiserweight Classic. And mm. it was it was great. That's when NXT was an hour. So, oh, man, that was, that was a great knee. Um, look you at, were talking look, about this. I was just... I could look. Yeah, he, he's his, his game face on in this. Um, I watched it the same way. I mean, I watched it right after NXT. Um, and I avoided spoilers for the entire tournament. I remember when it got down towards the end and we, um, spoiler alert, me and Travis and Landry, my wife, we went to the finals, the semifinals and finals of the Cruiserweight yep. Classic. And then we caught the NXT taping the next day. Um, I was really excited for a matchup. I think I was I was hoping TJP would be eliminated by, I think it was Rich Swan. I could be wrong. Um, but I was like, man, I, I can't wait for you know TJP to be gone. And then I was like, Landry had was like scrolling through Facebook. She's like, well, you're gonna be really mad because uh, somebody posted spoilers and <laughs> TJP's going to the semifinals. I was like, God damn it, fucking it, TJP! It was so maddening because like we had to buy the tickets before we knew what the the finals and stuff were going to be. You had to get them, and like I think we had, we had to be like on and like ready to buy them when the the you know they dropped or whatever. So you didn't know what the finals were before you bought the tickets. So then when we got there and it was fucking TJP was in it, we were like, God damn it. I don't want to see TJP here. And then he won the whole fucking thing. We were yeah. Like, oh. So like, so we had, we had a, our buddy Scott knew Will Henderson and we bumped into Will um, throughout and Will always would go to NXT tapings. Love this DDT. Ooh. And he was, he was like, yeah, man, he's like, I'll buy you guys tickets. If you guys just PayPal me. So I think you PayPal them and I paid you back. And mm. we drove to Florida in our van. And then you, you, you flew there and we picked you up from the airport and we just uh, all went, but uh, we were so excited to get uh, potentially get the, the fucking matchup of the century between Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. And they just, they, they fucking teased us so bad. Uh, people in the crowd were legit pissed. Except for that one guy, he was a TJP fan, fan but go fuck himself. Yeah. We yelled at him. Uh, Cause fuck him. <laughs> but, uh, and see, the thing of it is, if they'd have known that, they probably would have teased it with one of those two guys in the finals. But with the way it worked out, those guys were on opposite sides of the bracket. So they really couldn't be in the finals, I guess. But it would have been cool to see, like, TJP versus one of the other two, you know, would have been a, would have been cool to see. But we got TJP and Grand Metal League. They put on a great match, but it kind of took the wind out of the sails when Abushi and Sabre were not in the finals. the finals yeah oh. oh and daniel bryan puts that over hard the the super kick into the head oh. into the turnbuckle that's probably one of the first times i had really seen that too like it I wasn't well s- overdone at the time how seamless that was right there he hit him uh that power bomb he rolls out tope suicida and morrow calls it that and i was like Thought of you, Eric. Thought of you, buddy. Uh, so I went back and researched a little bit. The first singles match I could find uh, between these guys took place in March 2014. 
but they would start teaming up on NXT uh, TV in August 2015 in the first Ooh. ever Dusty Rhodes Classic. That was great. Went I'm telling you, he, caught him with the knee. Some crazy knees here. Um, they would actually continue to work the indies as they weren't exclusive to NXT. Uh, during that same time, they actually worked Pro Wrestling Guerrilla against the Young Bucks. That's wild to think too. You got that kind of kind of what would have been a dream match later this year or the beginning of the next year. Like that would have been a dream match with DIY versus Young Bucks. And you well, got it booked, before it, it got big. We booked Johnny right before the Cruiserweight Classic. We booked him in spring of 2016. And uh, he was actually trying to get um, Ciampa to come work with us. And then we just never got a chance to get him because right, right after that, they made it where they were exclusive. They couldn't wrestle anywhere else. They had to be you know, with WWE. And I'm going to put this over right now. Johnny Gargano is one of the best sellers in wrestling. Oh, yeah. He, he's just so good at it. Oh, God. The knees he's a great cut he's a down. great he's a great heel too like he he's a good chicken shit heel but his selling as a baby face is where it's at that's his money insecurity right there beautiful just so like the far smooth just the far away look in his eyes and then like he just can't hardly get up like it's just I, I hate to say it's like Ricky Morton esque but like his his selling is top notch yeah like you really believe he's like out of it kind of here trying to trying to yeah, make he's it. trying to get his bearings straight that's what it looks and they're gonna go to the apron here travis and this is probably one of the sickest spots of the first round of the tournament is it's did, uh, did you know did you know this is the hardest i did know for me. <laughs> i did know <laughs> Brian, Brian puts Daniel. it over yeah <laughs> hello is michael cole here <laughs> yeah i have my notes here too that brian and Morrow are just so fucking good like i'm gonna keep gushing over them they are so good together Morrow brings such a realism to it. He's chopping the shit out of them. Oh, yeah. They bring... Because you got to think, Dan, this is like one of the first things Daniel Bryan did after he kind of retired. And they they gave him this to do. And he's oh. he's wrestled a majority of these guys, too, which is the crazy thing. Airy crash right on the evil. Oh. And the thing is, they got to call the moves by the indie names of the moves, which was wild, too. I would have never called that an air raid crash in the fucking WWE. But you know what? In every WWE game, it's under what it's called. air raid crash. <laughs> they call it something else when, like, Sheamus does it. White noise. White noise, yep. Yep, we're getting a replay of that. It's, oh, oh dude, he, he, and that's where the LED board is, too. He does land pretty, like, kind of on the edge there. Stalking him, man. Johnny's mouth's busted. Look, <laughs> Johnny's mouth's yeah, busted. <laughs> And this this is a cool little little spot. So like, he's like, I took the knee pad down. I don't want to hurt him. He's my friend. I'm gonna be in his wedding. I'm gonna be his best man in his wedding. I'm like, nah, I can't. And, Puts the, and Brian even says boom. that could be the biggest mistake of the match. Oh, <sighs> great clothesline! Look at that, look at that guy having a fit about Jesus, the clothesline down there. Jesus Christ, he's gonna hit him with a lung blower. Beautiful. God. Look at the crowd. The crowd so is good. popping. Two count. Oh, look at the crowd. They're fucking eating it up. I love it. Chompa can't believe he kicked out. Daniel Bryan's losing his mind up there. I don't know who's more excited to be calling this, Morrow or Daniel Bryan, because like they're both losing it yeah. during this match. You can tell they're having they're having a lot of fun with it. I want to oh. do this while we got the chance. Well, go ahead, Travis. And the thing of it is, is like they're probably like, this is probably gonna be the only time some of these guys ever wrestle in the WWE. Might as well put it over as hard as we can. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm going to do this while we got the chance. Cagematch.net users, Travis, what do you think they rated this match out of 10? Man, I'm going to say 8.75. Close. 8.18 out of 10. With most saying this is hands down the best match of the first round with great storytelling and great emotional moments. I agree with that much. I agree with that. I just don't agree with the rating, but teach their own. Well, so here's a Lene's Mountie Mark for the week. Nasty Yaffa wrote four out of 10. Not really a fan of Johnny G or Champa, so I didn't have high expectations for this one. It probably was the most memorable bout from the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic, but I didn't think it was good. It was built around Champa's offense and Gargano's babyface performance. Champa was really crap at his role. What? As his offense didn't look any good, the constant thigh slapping doesn't usually annoy me, but in this match, it sure did. It really took away from the supposed brutality of Champa's stuff. Gargano wasn't very good as the underdog babyface fighting from underneath either. I appreciate the story they were going for, but I thought the execution of it wasn't very good. Give me just a second because he's about to slap shit out of him, and I, this is what I would like to do to that guy. Oh, slap him like three times right in the face, just like this oh. Chompa does fucking Gargano right now. You mean to tell me you just agreed that this this is the best match of the first round? You better not have given any fucking match better than a fucking four oh. then, because oh. that makes no damn sense. And he sneaks it right here. One, two, three. So good. The crucifix. Great pin. Chompa looks strong. Gargano just, snuck one away. Four out of ten, according the, to this motherfucker. It's got fucking Bret Hart. Uh, but my thing is, is like, dude, like, how can his offense look shitty? He had an air raid crash that looked fucking phenomenal. Didn't hurt Gargano. That lung blower was one of the prettiest fucking powerbomb lung blowers I've ever fucking seen. The chops, the slaps, uh, the exchanges. And then they're saying Gargano's underdog coming back is not good. Like, that's the whole story. He's the underdog. He's believable. I just put over his fucking selling. I just sucked his dick on his selling. So, <laughs> I mean... Look, they replay the fucking air raid crash again. Like, you can't tell me this guy watched the same match I did. He just must not like Chompa and Gargano. But that the thing of it is, is you can't you can't really give an unbiased opinion if you don't like wrestlers because you need to put over the match for what it is and not who the fuck's in it. Yeah, I, if you're watching them slap their leg, you're not watching the match. You're you're nitpicking at, at stuff at that point. You're looking for shit. Oh, lung blower looks so good. They want no yeah, fucking. So- don't want to fucking leg slap there. Nasty Yaffa, four out of ten. Nasty fucking opinion. Shut the fuck up. Um, I think the only thing that I didn't like about this match is it, I think you could have went <gasps> probably five. You could have went five more minutes with this match. It would have been perfect. Yeah, maybe gave Gargano like another little hope spot or something like where he comes back on him. That'd have been cool. But I I love the finish, the exchange where he's going for the arm bar. He catches him, rolls him through. It's also a callback to the beginning of the match where they had the kind of similar exchange and Ciampa kicked oh, yeah. out. This time he caught him and learned from mistakes and held him down. But, like, I had high hopes for Gargano after this going through the tournament as well. But, yeah, fuck you, nasty. Yeah. Fud, like, you, so terrible. So terrible damn opinion. I guess I'm not... We're going to get the aftermath stuff here, aftermatch stuff, where Ciampa, you start to feel like there's some dissension between the two of them. Uh, this is where the seeds start getting – they start getting planted for the Ciampa-Gargano feud. And um, slow burn. I actually enjoy it. But before – while we're watching this happen, Travis, 
Hall of Fame Mountie Mark T. Swifty is back. He's a Hall of Fame Mountie oh, Mark. He's the Dudley Do-Right of the Lene Mountie Marks. Uh, really quick, four out of ten. This was one of their weaker matches together. The storytelling going in was simple, but I'm naturally annoyed by this kind of storytelling. It's usually executed really poorly as well, and that was the case here. So Ciampa didn't want to hurt Gargano because he's his friend, so he rolls his knee pad back up. Only problem is he's already hit Gargano with stiff knee strikes. The ex-wrestler doesn't want to hit ex-wrestler with ex-move trope has been done to death already, but at least be consistent with it. Speaking of strikes, I thought Ciampa was, uh, got good impact on some of them, but most of them were weak looking with the usual thigh slap sound effects. Same, oh. same thing with Gargano. Not bad because they were, uh, they had some good chemistry and exchanges, but it feels like both guys were doing a by the numbers indie match. What match are these motherfuckers watching? No, but before I comment on T Swifty's dumbass, the whole sit down in the ring hug thing is called back on in their entire feud. So this match is not forgotten during their entire feud. It's not a throwaway match. It, it's something that continues on later on. Now on to T Swifty and his bitch ass. You say this is a weak match. What the fuck were you watching, man? Like the story going into it. Yes, it's two tag partners, but they're wrestling for a chance to be essentially what will become cruiserweight champion, the face of this division, the face of, of, of this tournament. Like it's a big damn deal. And yeah, he, he hits him with knee strikes in the match, but he also didn't hit him with a fucking knee strike without the knee pad on it's storytelling. Everything means something to pulling this, the pulling the knee pad down is part of it. He doesn't want to injure him. It calls back to his promo beginning of the match where he's like, I'm going to wrestle you. I'm going to hurt you, but I don't want to injure you. And like, that's part of the promo package leading into that. And it's all part of the storytelling. Yeah. He hit an air raid crash on him, but thing of it is he didn't hit it unprotected. Like there's still Matt there, all this other stuff. I mean, you can blow it out of portion anyway you want to, but if you're looking for knee slaps and all that shit, you're just, you're just nitpicking the match. You're not watching the match to watch the match. Cause I guarantee you, I could go to a young bucks match probably, own freaking cage match that T Swifties reviewed, and he won't say a goddamn thing about a knee slap because he wasn't paying attention to it. And I know paint by numbers indie match. I mean, a match is good. A match is good. I don't think I've seen a paint by numbers indie match. I won't consider that a paint by numbers indie match. I don't think I've seen an indie I've been to hit an air raid crash on the apron. Not many have hit a fucking lung blower like that. A fun fact about T Swifty, we try to look him up on social media, couldn't find him. But T Swifty, Hall of Fame, Mountie Mark, this is his third or fourth time being featured on the podcast. So, congratulations, T Swifty. Go I fuck would yourself. Love, I would love to debate T Swifty. If T Swifty's got some balls, and I mean, I don't know, T Swifty may not be a man. I don't know. I'm just assuming most men are the ones rating and talking about wrestling on message boards. But if he had some balls, I would debate him, just like I debate Scott about AEW. I'll bait, debate T Swifty about this match. He cannot tell me this match was terrible. Like, there's no way this match was bad. And the other guy said it was the best match of the first round and gave it fucking four out of ten. What kind of sense does that fucking make? Makes none. Makes no sense. But yeah, guys, if you have if you have T Swifty's information, send him a like for us. Let him know we're looking for him. Me versus T Swifty. T shirts coming soon. 
bitch. Travis, the aftermath, the very next week, as you saw on here as well, uh, we would get Cedric Alexander versus Kota Ibushi, and that matches on our list. I went ahead and watched Rolled. it again. It Rolled. holds up, dude. It is a fucking banger. It is good. It is really good. Kota Ibushi's the man. Got Cedric Alexander signed, which it's it's sad thing that he's they're not doing more with him at this point. But, I mean, Cedric is a talented motherfucker, dude. You saw that in our Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander match we covered earlier on the pod, back in the archives. Dude, this match is seven years old. And that's hard to believe, man. Seven time, years time ago. Time gets away from us. It really does. Uh, Gargano would go on to lose in the second round to the eventual winner, TJ Perkins. Ciampa and Gargano would then enter into a feud with the Revival, seeing them have a banger of a match at TakeOver Brooklyn 2 and winning the NXT tag titles at TakeOver Toronto. We talked about that match. We've actually covered that match. Uh, two out of three falls. Could you um, imagine, though, Kota Ibushi versus fucking Gargano in this tournament? It'd be good. It'd be really good. I mean... Could you imagine we would have got Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota fucking Abushi in the finals? That's what it should have been. Dude, imagine if they would have done differently and would have had Grand Metalik and TJ Perkins in the semifinals and then Abushi and Sabre in the semifinals. And then um, they would eventually lose to TJP. I mean, that would have been what I would have liked better, in my opinion. Well, from what I have always read was... Uh, they wouldn't commit to signing to WWE. Saber wouldn't commit to signing. Um, I've been told by Little Birdie that he has a he had a problem, uh, <laughs> but I mean that's just, that's just what I've heard. Um, but I could be wrong. I mean that could just be you know um, rumor and innuendo, as uh, Bruce Pritchard would say. Um, but there was always talk that Kota Ibushi was going to sign and be a part of NXT. He actually wrestled a couple matches on NXT, um, and then I believe he and somebody i can't remember who it was what they were a part of the dusty classic i can't remember who it was now was it um, him and atami it wasn't him and atami it was i think it was yeah um and then they end up losing I, I can't remember what you know what happened but he just never signed he was making more money for new japan which i get um and he's still there so tj perkins grand metalik akira tozawa jack gallagher brian kendrick cedric alexander noam dar Lince Dorado, Tony Nese, Mustafa Ali, Drew Gulak, Tajiri, Arya Davari, Rich Swan, and the Bollywood Boys all signed contracts with the WWE. Of course, at the finals, they crowned a cruiserweight champion, which we didn't know about, which was a cool surprise for us being in there. And we saw TJP become champion, and it became a segment on Monday Night Raw. And then it turned into their own show, which um, they got pigeonholed long before then, before the show actually happened. So... You know, some show, of these guys, though, yeah, show, there's some good show has some sleepers on it. Really good, yeah, that, good matches. Some of those sleepers are on our list too. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think about right now. Um, Cedric Alexander and no- Noam Dar, uh, Mustafa Akira Tazawa, Mustafa Ali, and Drew Gulak are the only ones still under contract. Yeah, Jack Gallagher kind of shot himself in the foot, he was super over and. Uh, of course, Gargano and Ciampa as well. But yeah. um, Rich Swan, he had the issue with him and um, Sue. I guess there was a there was a drunken argument, and uh, he ended up going to jail, and all charges were dropped and everything. I guess it was just a misunderstanding from the cops' end uh, that got him fired. Of course, he's killing it in Impact right now. Um, 
Brian Kendrick, he was working as a producer, and then I think he said, "Was I don't think it was it wasn't homophobic stuff? I think it was like, like the anti-mask and shit. I could be wrong. It was something along those lines. There, they had, I think, something kind of came up from his past, and then that happened too. And then you get, you get. I mean, you're a publicly traded company. You got to do what you do to to kind of stay away from. Well, no, stuff. he." He asked for his release, and then he was supposed. To, I think like the next day he was they he was supposed to work AEW, and then those things came out, mm-hmm. so AEW decided not to use him. Um, we talked about Tony Nese; he's in AEW right now. Um, TJP, I believe, is still working New Japan. New Japan, yeah. Which he, yeah, I think before, he's, I think he's going by some weird variation of his name, though something like I don't know. I don't know what he's going by, but it's some kind of weird, weird name. Various uh, name. Jack Gallagher, of course, he he was part of the speaking out movement. He started doing some MMA stuff. Um, so there's that. And the Bollywood Boys, I believe. Where did I see them at? Are they are they in Ring of Honor? They had a match on him, uh, AEW, I think, but it was like when Dark and them were around. Um, I believe they were on an episode of Ring of Honor as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still kind of crazy. Cruiserweight Classic's pretty good. Travis, what would you rate this match on out of 10? Man, I, 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 8.759. That's what I give it. Like, um, I don't, it's not perfect match, but I would say 8.75 to a nine. I think it's a really, really good match. Um, and man, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, it could have been longer. Uh, you know, maybe they could have went a different route from doing the the fucking tag team partner trope thing that T-Swift is thinking about, but I think it played in excellently to their match. Um, maybe give Gargano another hope spot here or there just to try to make him not look as weak, but they put Ciampa over as a vicious psychopath guy that won't will do anything to win. He just had a heart for a second it cost him, which plays on plays into him later on so 8.759 that's what i or you know to a nine is what i give it yeah i give it eight and a half uh the only reason i give it eight and a half is i felt like they could have gone five more minutes and it would have been even better like you said a hope spot with johnny um that's not on them i mean that's just the time they're given but uh it's it's a really good match it's a very fun match to watch easy very digestible like you i get a good bite of it and you get to enjoy it and it doesn't take much of your time out. Um, I definitely enjoy it. Cruiserweight Classic, like I said, is always going to be a special um, tournament for me just because, you know, we were kind of there for the finale of it all and just getting to watch it. I really enjoyed it. So I really hope people go out and seek this match out and kind of get the beginning of the Gargano Ciampa feud, which starts pretty much here. The seeds begin to be planted here. Fuck you, TJP. That's the last thing I'll say. Fuck you, TJP. So, Travis, on to our next episode. It's our favorite part of the podcast where we break down um, what our next match will be that we get to cover. So, if you guys are new to the podcast, how we do it is we have an ongoing list. I added some matches, by the way. I'll tell you a few of them here in a second. Um, An ongoing list of matches that we think are pretty good are wrestling recommendations. These matches span from the last, like, 40 years um, all the way back, actually even further than that, I believe the first match is 1977. I always forget. I think it's a superstar Billy Graham match and Dusty. Um, and it goes all the way up until um, 
2023. So it uh, features WCW, WWF, WWE, um, NWA, AEW, Ring of Honor, NGW, the show I'm involved with. Uh, there's some crazy ones from like UWF. Uh, it's kind of all over the place. So there's some good ones. Um, but what we do is we take all those matches that we have, and I'll tell you how many we have at the moment because I know it's gone up, and we put them into a randomizer, the Will of Names, Will of Destiny, and we spin it. And whatever it lands on, that's the match we cover. It's 100% shoot. We don't know what we're doing until we we pick on it. Uh, Travis, we have 291 matches right now. God, we need 10 more matches to break 300. Um, I'll tell you, I added a few. So I added, um, we added the... Two out of three falls match. Um, I had a lot of people's recommendation to us to add it of uh, Bullet Club Gold and FTR. Um, what else did we add? I added a couple of other ones too. Stan Hanton, Stan Hanton and Kabashi, right? You added that Hanson one. and Kabashi. Um, uh, Hart, Hart Brothers versus the Steiner Brothers from Wrestling That was Challenge. another one. Uh, I did watch a, a ladder match from Pro Wrestling Gorilla of... Uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico. And I was like, dude, this match is fucking great. So do we, ever, we added that match. Do we ever add the women's ladder match for Money in the Bank? We did not. We did not. I'll add it next week, though. Are you talking about the one that just happened? Yeah, that's the one that people were putting over like crazy. Yeah, we'll add that one as well. Um, but yeah, Travis, so uh, what do you think we're going to get this week? Uh, I am going to go... Uh, Mid nineties WCW. I think we're gonna get early two thousands WWFE. So let's see what we get, buddy. Probably get AEW. That'd be cool. We haven't had one yet, so Scott would probably shut the fuck up finally. <laughs> shout shout out the guys over there at Bleeding John. There was no doubt tonight, but uh, Moxley bled blood and guts. So <sighs> it happened. Oh my god, buddy. So got? this is this is mid nineties WWF. God. One two one letter off. Ninety four. Oh hell yeah! Is that Regal? Is it Regal? No, it's, it's not Regal. Not WCW. Damn it! I got excited. It's in a it's in a cage. Brett and Owen. It is Brett and Owen from SummerSlam '94. Uh, oh god, so good, man. Underrated cage match. It's it's the best cage in the Big Blue Cage, from what I think. But could fuck, be wrong. man. It's going to be so fun to cover Owen Hart because we really haven't got to talk about Owen. This is our first Owen match. Am I wrong? You are correct. This is the first Owen match we have covered. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to talk about all this. I'm really excited. Well, Love and me then, some Owen Hart. And then we get, to, we get to talk about the kick my leg out of your leg and oh get to talk God. about Bruce. Bruce Hart, Eddie's favorite Hart, who has an autograph for him. Because <laughs> um, you bought it. <laughs> damn right. This is more expensive than some of the autographs I've bought. Um, but yeah, man, looking forward to that. I love I love SummerSlam 94. I know a bunch of people give that show shit, but it is a slept on show. I I was a huge Undertaker fan at this time, so I I enjoyed Undertaker versus Undertaker for what it was. Razor and Diesel wrestle each other on the show with Walter Payton and Razor's Corner. Then you get the blow up of the Hart family. With the return of the British Bulldog and interference from Jim the Anvil Nineheart, um, just just a pretty it's a pretty solid card for a SummerSlam, and I honestly think we get Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel on that card. So, I always love some Jeff Jarrett. Who doesn't love Mabel? 
Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> podcast, you dickhead. <laughs> no, I'm excited, though. A 90, 94 WWF is, is a fun year. Uh, we also get, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Luger and Tatanka. Tatanka. Buffalo. Buffalo. God, uh, this take, is, take so versus Taker, baby. Luger fell so far, man. From, he, did, from, he gave up. Vince gave up fast because, like, it's not even a year later, and he's already off the fuck. He's like, you know, on, on the shit list. And then he's gone just a few more months after that. Yeah, uh, uh, like, a year after yeah, that. Uh, a year pretty much after a that. year. He 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 comes back and helps Diesel in the main event to fend off Mabel, and then like you think there's going to be some Diesel Luger alliance, and he goes to WCW. Because Luger's wearing the red, white, he's still wearing the America like long sleeve shirt, and he's got some Levi jeans on. Red kicks in my ass. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man! I'm really excited. This is gonna be a fun one to cover. Uh, Travis, let's polish this episode off, man. What you got for me? Oh, not much, man. Still selling stuff on the eBay at TGL the Man Twelve. Still have not put anything else up there. Just because I haven't had time. Sorry for the yawn there, people, but. Uh... Uh, a little late at night and i started up my got my cpap machine last week so i've been sleeping pretty good so I had to go to bed earlier so we get tired earlier but um pretty much doing that i uh, got a podcast with the rest of purists to record friday night the same day this drops uh for in your house canadian stampede love that show and did you know there's only i think four matches on that card which is kind of wild. It's Triple H, Mankind, Takamichi Noku, and the Great Sasuke, which Jim Ross and Vince McMahon can't say his name right to save their fucking life. Undertaker, <laughs> Invader, and then I want to say that the Tin Man, the Tin Man Tag. That's it. And the Tin Man Tag is the one of the loudest crowd, uh, camera shaking crowds I've ever seen in wrestling. Watching it back, it. And just watching that clip is freaking phenomenal. But um, is that love, match on our list? I don't know if that match is on our list. If it's not, it should be. I thought I put it on there, but um, a little bit. it's a it's a it's a fun little card, man. I love WWF 1997. Like it's any wrestling in 1997 was just so good. Like there's so much going on all over the place, and WCW had the build to Starcade with Sting and Hogan and. WWF had Brett and Austin and Undertaker's a champ and Shawn Michaels dipping in and out, but looking forward to covering that with those guys. Uh, already shouted out the guys over there at Bleeding John doing the Lord's work. Um, but that's, that's about, out for, about it for me, man. Just uh, getting ready to celebrate my one-year wedding anniversary next week. So it's, it's crazy to believe it. That's been a year, and this podcast is coming up on a year here pretty soon too. It's creeping up. Yeah, we've been we've been very consistent. I'm very proud of us for being so consistent with what we do. We've dedicated a night, one night a week to do uh, our podcast. I think we've only missed one. It's when your father-in-law passed away. Yep. And uh, dang, yeah, your wedding anniversary is next week, and my birthday is not this Saturday, but next Saturday. So yep. I'm excited for that as well. Turn the big old three five. Um, yeah, guys, check us out on all social media platforms. Wrestling recommendations on Facebook and on the TikTok, which we're still getting over on TikTok. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Recom, R-E-C-O-M-M. Really quick, Travis, I'm going to... Oh! Oh! <laughs> Swatabug. Ah, I think it... 
<coughs> I think I did. I'm dying. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it went right down the pipe, man. Oh. Anyways. <laughs> Back at it. Oh, shit. That was, that was bad. I almost died. Um, our, I was going through our episodes, and they've been, you know, we've seen an influx of downloads once again. So I, uh, I imagine we're going to pop in the top, uh, top ratings. So I figured we'd give a top 10 list really quick of our most downloaded episodes. There's a couple that are <clears throat> ties right now. Um, but our, uh, our 10th episode is Jeff Jarrett versus Sting from Bound for Glory. Number nine is Rock versus Austin from WrestleMania 17. Um, number eight is uh, the Revival versus DIY, which we talked about earlier in this episode um, from TakeOver Toronto. Um, number seven is Shawn Michaels versus Triple H from uh, the Three Stages of Hell match. We have a tie with uh, fifth and sixth place. Uh, so Vader and Sting from the King of the Cable finals from Starcade, and Bret Hart and Taker, our very first episode from uh, One Night Only. Um, number four, Austin, Bret Hart, Vader, Undertaker from Final Four. Number three, Savage and Hogan from WrestleMania Five. Uh, creeping up, number two, the AWA World Champion Nick Bockwinkel versus Kurt Henning. Uh, that's like a sleeper that episode, a, man. That is. A- surprise man because it's an hour draw it's an hour broadway and you know i guess not a lot of wrestling podcasts cover awa so um a lot of people are probably just interested to hear what was going on with awa that time probably hear about the ghost of Vern Gagne a little bit oh man these you know what's worse than the ghost of Vern Gagne ghost of Stu Hart you're goddamn right. <laughs> We're going to talk about them <laughs> next week, too. I'm excited. Our number one episode is the Steiner Brothers versus Terry Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams, the Miracle Violence Connection. Um, it's creeping, though. I think the AWA match is going to end up taking it over. So um, I know that I know Rick Steiner is a hot topic right at the moment, but um, I'm not here to talk about that stuff. I'm talking about the wrestling stuff. So um, that's still our number one episode. So, guys, uh, definitely go back and check out some of our archives. Get some of those uh, downloads up. Let's see if we can overtake the number one um, episode. That episode was number six of ours, too, by the way. is the sixth episode we ever we ever did, which is the Steiner Brothers and the Miracle Violence Connection. Yeah, um, man. Great, great match. Go back and watch that. It's, it's, a, it's a stellar hitting. match in a weird time for WCW. You know, I'm not even going to edit out all the coughing. I really did swallow a bug, and it did, <clears throat> it did not feel good. <laughs> Almost died. Uh, also, guys, if you get the chance, uh, check out NGW, Next Generation Wrestling. Uh, we're still going kind of viral. Uh, Tyler Breeze is our champion now, or Breeze. And um, we just announced that Dirty Dango and Breeze are going to be teaming up at our October show. So October 8th in Knoxville, Tennessee at the Jackson Terminal. It's Nightmare in the Old City. So, if you want to get tickets, nextgentn.net slash tickets and follow us on all social media platforms at nextgentn. Travis, for you to get some sleep and for myself to uh, go get something else to drink because I can still feel like there's a bug in the back of my throat. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Hell yeah. Bye.